You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. But what got me in the whole ordeal was we're all getting ready to leave and Mr. Blake, he uh, he came up to Mr. Ricky and digging around in his pocket, he pulled out a wad full of fives and ones and had $146 in his pocket. He tried to give it to Mr. Ricky. He tried to give it to everybody there. And that just showed me that boy's character. is the Houndsman XP Podcast. Good dog, get that bear. Get that bear in here. The original podcast for the complete Houndsman. The podcast that represents our lifestyle of extreme performance. Get up there! Yeah! 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 Good boy! Good boy, Ranger! Uniting houndsmen across the globe from east to west, north to south. You know, if you're going to catch a cat or a lion, you know, you have to have teamwork. We take you to the wildest places on earth. Yeah, so how many day how many days a week do you spend on As much as I can to be honest with you. Anytime that I get I'm I'm out there. Join us for every heart pounding adventure on Houndsman XP. I'll tell you like I tell everyone else, I'm gonna hunt whether you're here or not, so you might as well be here. <laughs> The Houndsman XP Podcast is fueled by Joy Dog Food. Joy Dog Food has a rich tradition of supporting the Houndsman of America. Founded in 1945, Joy is proud of its history and the relationship it has built with the American Houndsman. And in 76 years, there's never been a recall. Made with 100% American-made high-quality ingredients, Joy Dog Food has one of the highest calorie-dense formulas on the market. For 76 years, this Made in America product has kept hunting dogs in the field day after day, season after season. 
And when we say made in America, Joy has a long track record of fighting for American freedoms by being on the front lines against the animal rights movement and their extremist tactics. Joy will fuel your hounds and fight for your freedoms, fueled by Joy. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Chris Powell, and I'm honored today to do a story that <clears throat> needs to be told. And I've always used the phrase, show them what a good job looks like. And the story that we're about to tell here is one of those stories that if all of us as houndsmen can find opportunities like this to bring honor and dignity, dignity to our lifestyles as houndsmen, this is a story that deserves telling and is a good example for all of us. We all have these kind of opportunities around us. And the person that I'm going to interview today to help to tell this story is Seth Burgett. You've probably all seen uh, the, the Facebook post that's going around about a little boy that was standing outside of Walmart trying to sell snack cakes so he could buy a coon dog and I'm going to let Seth tell this story because I can't do it justice. Seth, thanks for joining me, man. Absolutely, man. I appreciate you yeah. having me also. Yeah. You know what? Uh, the stories like this just, they do so much. They're so positive. They they really show the heart of who we are as a hound hunting community. And, and we got to take every opportunity we have to tell these types of stories. And, I, you know, I... I'm going to call this podcast, show them what a good job looks like, because it just, it, it embodies all of that. So why don't you tell us, um, Seth, you've got a, you've got an interesting story yourself. You're heavily involved in a lot of things that we talk about on this podcast all the time. And that's, that's your state hound organization and, and things like that. But just tell us who Seth Forget is. Um, I'm first, I'm a father. Um, and a, and a husband, I've got two beautiful little girls, a five-year-old and a two-year-old and, um, just a construction worker. Um, me and my wife are both self-employed. So we, we got a lot of freedom for family time and, um, and gives me freedom to help with the state, the Alabama state Coon association and, uh, and, you know, just give back, you know, try to give back to the, the sport that, that I love so much and, and the best way that I can, most positive light I can, you know. Um so you're you're on the board of directors there for Alabama, right? And what's the name of that yes, state yeah, organization? It's the Alabama State Coon Association. Okay. Um, we uh, I came on the board about three three years ago. It's been this is my third year on the board with the with the state association. And when I when I was asked to be on it it was, I, I told them, I told them absolutely, but I wanted to do more for the youth. Um, uh -huh. With that being said, we do a state, a UKC state youth hunt every year that is absolutely out of this world. Um, Kayla Cooper has been putting it all, putting it on, you know, headed that, head that up for a long time. And it's fantastic. Um, what makes it so fantastic? Why do you, why do you say that? Man, that she has she has these people come in and do demonstrations, which I can't stand snakes, but she has these people come <laughs> in and, and tell them, Hey, these are bad snakes. These are good. You know, has live, live critters there. Yeah. Says, you know, stay away from these snakes, you know? And then she has the, the DNR there 
talking to the kids about, I mean, it's just, it's an all day event, you know, field trials. It's, it's huge. I mean, um, Kevin Cable's wife, she comes down. Uh, Angie. Yes. Angie comes down to our state. Hunt. No I mean, kidding. Oh yeah. She, every, she bragged on Facebook on it a couple times, you know, and about how it's one of the best hunts she's been to. Um, there's people come all over the country to this thing. And, and I'll be honest, I haven't had a big hand in that other than helping guides and set up, you know, that's, that's something Kayla's always done. And the association's always done. It's fantastic. But I just felt like we could do a little more for the kids. And that was when I joined the board, I said, you know, I, I want to put on big events for the children. Yeah. And, you know, we had to build up some funds and, and we've got, we got a big, uh, I'll go ahead and let it out right now. I haven't been posted yet, but, uh, I think it's February 16th, 17th, whatever that weekend is right there. I've talked to Greg Maynard. We've got the flyer ready. We've purchased a four-wheeler. It's sitting in my garage now. We're doing a 64-dog um, four-wheeler hunt. You know, set up just like a big pro classic, 40 early, 24 late. I think it's a $125 entry fee, and a kid's taking home a brand-new four-wheeler. Wow. So I, I'm pretty excited about that. It'll be, a, it'll be a pro sports first youth event. So, well, that's awesome, man. How old are you? How how old are your kids, Seth? My youngest is two, and my oldest is five. Okay, so they're a little bit young yet. They're not, you know, quite ready to go out there and mix it up on a night hunt cast. But not uh, yet. But they yeah. they'll mix it up Monday through Thursday with me constantly. <laughs> we went last night. We went last night and we actually took Blake. We're going to talk about on his first hunt last night. And of course, you know how it goes. Every time you take somebody for the first time, nothing works the way it's supposed to. Right. I come rolling in with my five-year-old about 12 o'clock last night. My wife was fit to be tied, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I'll tell you what. I remember when my kids were little, they really enjoyed going to the breed day hunts and stuff like that. You know, we, we hunted plots and we were, in the plot days and, and, and we'd roll in there and I could just cut them loose and we'd go hunt and nights they would go with me. And then other nights I'd roll in at one or two o'clock in the morning, they'd still be up playing, playing cards or playing games or, you know, chasing each other around the fairgrounds or whatever. It was just a, it was a great opportunity for them. So the only thing I would join, you know, uh, warn you about is I did burn one of them out, you know, <laughs> dragging him right. along and and uh one too many bad experiences so he's he will still go but he's 22 now but uh man there i remember the night it happened i've told this story before but but uh, he just i i pushed him to the breaking breaking point <laughs> i if i had the dogs i had when i was 16 or 17 my daughter would have probably just went one time and never been back it was miserable back in the day yeah <laughs> Yeah. So do you do quite a bit of competition hunting yourself? Not really. I mean, I would like to, um, I own a roofing company and it seems like every fall and spring, um, or every fall I just, I get hammered with work and hurricane work and stuff. Um, right. you know, I've, I've a couple of pro sport hunters. I hunted in the, uh, the Michael Moody hunt junction this past year that they did mm -hmm. the hundred thousand dollar hunt. I, yeah. I don't hunt as much as I'd like to. But at the same time, raising them girls is more important to me than chasing a dog through the woods all weekend, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. It's, uh, I think your priorities are probably right there. You know, I, I've, I've seen a lot of people over the years, uh, make a lot of sacrifices on the behalf of a, of a dog that, 
that, uh, and that's family sacrifices and putting food on the table and money in the bank account. And, uh, how did you, how did you get involved in the state organization? Is that something you volunteered for? Or is that something that, uh, somebody came to you and said, Hey man, we could use your help. Yeah. Uh, my, a buddy of mine, one of my best friends, um, Clint Chase, he was, uh, nominated as president mm -hmm. and, kind of you know he said hey you know i do it i like to bring seth along you know as a board member the first year i had moved to florida to start my business and the first year they were trying to get me uh clint was trying to get me on the board with him but i was still living in florida i said clint i can't help you buddy i don't even live in alabama right and uh when i moved back home uh, a guy came off the board and they they voted me in so yeah so you must be in what are you southeast alabama now no, I'm actually about 45 minutes northwest of Birmingham. Okay. All right. I'm outside a little town, or I'm outside of Jasper, Alabama. I got you. So I was just assuming that since you had moved down to Florida, you were kind of border hopping there in the panhandle and, and back and forth. No, that's a long story, and you ain't got enough time to tell you that happened. But uh, I hear we you. still got my company down there. My cousin runs it, so I'm back and forth, you know. I, I was thinking, I was thinking, man, if he's hunting that, that area in that southern Alabama, he's one tough, tough hunter. Because we went down there, and um, after Katrina rolled through and, and did some work, and I couldn't believe the devastation, and it just got worse after Katrina because all the thick stuff just got thicker. Right. Well, you know, and then that Hurricane Michael, when I was in Florida, Hurricane Michael had come through Panama City. Oh, where yeah. I was living, and it destroyed everything north of there. You know, it was. Did you work down in Mexico Beach? This is totally sidetracked, but did you work down in Mexico Beach at all? I did. I did a, I did a, I did a tree job down there. And then, and once I moved down there and got my roofing company started, we did, we did four or five jobs. Well, probably two or three jobs in Mexico beach. Mexico beach is where we would take our family vacations, our beach vacations in the summertime. It was just a little, little, you know, pass through town on the dot had beautiful beaches. And, and when I saw Mexico beach got leveled, I thought, wow, that there's a lot of personal history for me and my family in mexico beach ever you know going back to when i was a kid and um yeah i was pretty devastated when i when i saw mexico beach got hit as hard as it did they just leveled that place yeah, but it was gone i mean it was it was gone for sure hard, you couldn't even there was hardly any debris everything was just gone yep 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 yeah it was i remember seeing the the aerials of that place and you could see different places where we would go and eat or places that we had stayed and and different stuff like that so yeah enough of that talk but uh, let's talk about you know you've got this deep desire to you got involved with your state organization because you wanted to um, to help the youth and so that tells me that you've got a a deep desire to see a good strong future for kids and hunting and and things like that and uh it kind of leads into this story that we want to tell about this little boy that you that you found just just start at the beginning and tell us how this all came about um so i was me and my daughter my youngest daughter she was out of says the day before thanksgiving um we were actually over in a little deer lease i got putting out some corn and uh we had my wife had my oldest daughter in town and uh, Facebook post, Facebook post too. 
And Donnie's real good. He he he's real good about getting kids involved in hunt, uh, deer hunting, and he he donates. Uh, he helps donate uh, remote control wheelchairs. So he for handicapped kids. He's always been involved in getting kids involved in the outdoors, and he tagged me in the post. So I Donnie tagged me some. I knew I probably need to check it out. And um, there was a local Facebook page, just a local community news page that sells a kid an hour before. As an hour later, I saw it. It was in Walmart Park uh, holding up a sign that said, snack cakes, $1, trying to buy a black and tan or blue tick coonhound. Right there, immediately I had to do something because I knew I could not let that kid get a black and tan. That wasn't happening. <laughs> you know what app I use on my phone more than any other app besides the podcast app to listen to this here podcast? I use Onyx. Onyx Maps is the most comprehensive mapping system for hunters on the market today. I use it all the time. When I was in New Mexico, I was looking at 40,000 acres of ranch that I needed to learn. I flip open Onyx and just start studying, studying the map. When I'm riding trails, I put the tracking app on. It helps me get around in strange country. I could mark water sources, food sources, bear sign, just all kinds of options within Onyx. You need to check out Onyx Maps by going to houndsmanxp.com. Click on the link on our sponsor page. You'll go right to Onyx Maps, and when you check out, enter the code HXP20, and you will get 20% off of your order. Know where you stand with Onyx. We are in the height of Christmas shopping, and we're in a countdown, folks. I know that you're sitting out there wondering where you're going to shop. Am I going to go fight the crowds? Well, let me tell you, I've got a solution for you. You can go to houndsmanxp.hollercommerce.com and do all of your Christmas shopping for those folks in your life who are outdoor enthusiasts. There's everything there. Everything from the Garmin equipment that we use every day to Dakota 283 to Cajun lights. It's all there. You can even buy a pair of socks for your father-in-law. So, don't pass up the opportunity to avoid the crowds and get a great deal at Holler Commerce by going to houndsmanxp.hollercommerce.com. Place your order today, and if you use a discount code 1010OFF, 10 off, you'll get 10% off of your order. Shop Holler Commerce. It's a great place to shop for all your outdoor needs. We can have a uh, podcast about that. There we go. Um, so we, uh, so me and my youngest went up. We started heading that way. Um, I grabbed my female, my little, my female I got. I just, in the back of my mind, I knew I wanted to, I wanted him to meet the dog. I wanted to see if he was scared of dogs, to see where we needed to go with that. You know, I didn't have a plan. Yeah. Um, and my wife was a little bit in front of me, so I called her and told her to go to Walmart and, and see if she could run him down, and we couldn't find him. Mm. So so I commented on that Facebook post, hey, if anybody knows the kid, please have him reach out to me or his parents. Um, a girl that I knew from years ago sent me a message on Facebook telling me that she was pretty sure she knew who the kid was. He had stopped by 
she was a neighbor of his, and she had the little boy had Blake had come by her house the week before, asked if there was any work he could do or anything he could get to sell in a yard sale to buy him a puppy. No kidding. This kid's so, dedicated. Yep, yeah, that was it for me. Yeah, right. that was it. I was all in at that point, you know. Yeah. And um, you know, and she and she vetted them. She, you know, she said they have a dog and take very good care of it. Cause at this point I still hadn't met them, you know. Right. And um she got she got the mom in touch with me and I I talked to her and Blake and I said, I'll tell you what, it was you know, Wednesday before Thanksgiving. I said, Monday, we're gonna get together and we're gonna meet at the local pound supply store and and I'm just gonna I'd like to meet you. And um so I got off the phone with her and I called. First person I called was my good friend Jeffrey Mullins. He run he has a little Facebook a YouTube page, uh Coon Hunt with Otter. And he does this thing about in the cooler months, he'll do a random you nominate a kid, he'll select them, like spin a wheel and take them on a random coon hunt. Yeah. And he uh the supply store, he always somebody always donates waiters to the kid. He builds them a little light and Get some in the outdoors. So he was the first phone call I made. I said, Jeff, I need your help with this thing. Well, Jeff, Jeff owns a supply store. No, he doesn't own a supply store. He has a YouTube page called Coon Hunt okay. with Otter. Who owns a supply so, store that's doing Joey that Wright. kind of work? That's what Joey I figured. Wright. That's yep. what I figured. I reached out to Joey and um, give a big shout out to him with the timing and everything. You know, we just, we can't get everybody on a podcast, but uh, right. I'm going to track Joey down and and uh but yeah joey joey Wright with dixie doggers correct yeah joey was my second phone call all I right said, joey i'm gonna bring this kid to your store monday and uh i'm gonna let him pick out everything he needs for coon hunting and i'm gonna pay for it you know but don't say where just let him take it and get out of there i'm gonna pay for it and uh knowing that wasn't gonna happen because i know joey you know he wasn't gonna right. let me well and i told jeff i said i want to find this kid a pup but I want, you know, I don't want a baby puppy. I want something five to six months. It's cool. We can get the dog started now instead of, you know, one hitting seven, eight months in the dead of summer. Right. So I called, Jeff calls me back on Thanksgiving. He had talked to a gentleman named Ricky Thomas that lives in Lynn, Alabama. Ricky had this real nice English pup he had posted for sale about a month before. Ironically, that morning, Ricky had made a deal to sell this little English dog to a gentleman somewhere. Yeah. Jeff told Mr. Ricky the story, and Mr. Ricky said, hang on one second. And he calls the gentleman that was going to buy the dog and told him the story. And the, the gentleman that was going to buy it said, Mr. Thomas, I think that boy needs that dog. So he agreed not to buy it. And Ricky, instead of selling that dog, decided to give it to that young boy he had never met in his life and uh you're, you're bringing you're bringing so many pieces of this puzzle together i what i'm seeing here is you know you had the initiative and you knew the right people to go to so you brought a bunch of houndsmen together to accomplish this mission for this nine-year-old boy right and it was it was a matter of i talked to them wednesday afternoon and I, I thought I'd need some time. So we had scheduled a meeting for Monday and we ended up getting with them break, uh, breakfast time the day after Thanksgiving. I mean, this all happened in less than eight hours. Hmm. Um, well, when you see a, when you see a cause it's worth jumping in on, 
I mean, it, it doesn't take long to, to get on board. You know, you, you know, right when you see it, I knew right when I saw this, that this is something, this is a story that needed to be told. And you saw that and Joey saw that and all your other friends saw it. So it's, it wasn't a hard sell. Not at all. I mean, and, um, I, uh, Kayla Cooper, I was talking about earlier. She, she Venmo Jeff some money said, Hey, buy him anything he needs. It's a supply store. You know, it was just everybody that knew about it chipped in immediately within a matter of minutes, you know, to make it all happen. Mm. And, and big shout out to Joey, which, um, Joey's son, Nathan was there and we took him in the store and we said, you know, he didn't know the kid didn't know he was getting the dog at this point. It's in the back of a truck and, and we get him the stuff I had talked about and Nate, Joey's son, Nathan took him in there and got him fitted on a pair of waders. Yeah. Get him a buyer proof jacket. We put all his stuff on the counter, went out to see his dog and come back. I come back in to gather it all up so he could take it home. And Nathan had put together a, a Garmin 220 for him, put a collar in there for him, mm. a trash breaker. And just, just the, you know, the community around here and the houndsmen just went above and beyond before we left, Joey told the kid, look, any day, anytime you need dog food for the life of that dog, you stop by here. It's on the house. His warmer, everything. They just stepped up big time. That's an amazing thing. Yes, sir. But what got me in the whole ordeal was we're all getting ready to leave. And Mr. Blake, he, uh, he came up to Mr. Ricky and digging around in his pocket and he pulled out a wad full of fives and ones and had $146 in his pocket. And he tried to give it to Mr. Ricky. He tried to give it to everybody there. And that just showed me that boy's character. That's a little bit emotional to tell you the truth. Uh, everybody <laughs> there, everybody there had allergies in the middle of these, in the middle of November, buddy. <laughs> you know, you see a, you see a little boy, I'm going to have to track this boy down, talk to his mom. And, um, it's, um, you, you hear stories like that and we hear stories. It's all too prominent that kids don't know the value of a dollar. They, they've got poor work ethic. They, you know, they get everything handed to them. And then you see this and you know that, that there's still hope out there in the world. Yes, sir. And you know, uh, Joey made a joke to Blake, you know, you can come up here and work anytime you want, goofing off, you know. Day before yesterday, Joey's, uh, Blake's dad stopped by Joey's store, and Blake called him, and you're not going to believe this. He got on the phone with Joey and asked Joey when he could come up there and work. He had his mama bring him up there, and he worked till dark. Uh, night before last up there at Joey's store, learned to make collars, was helping Nathan refurb tracking collars. My goodness. Stayed there until dark working with Mr. Joey. What's this young man's, do you want to tell this young man's name or do we even want to mention Blake. it? His name's Blake. Blake. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, you never know what, you know, how much information to give out there because who knows where this podcast goes. Right, right. You know, so we don't want to, we don't want to reveal too much about the young man without his parents' permission for sure. But, but that's just an inspiring story all the way around. I mean, I, 
it just tells so much about the character of the men who you know choose to to lead this lifestyle with these hounds and and the the charity of joey wright and dixie doggers and and everybody involved who was the man say the man's name again that that got the dog for blake ricky thomas ricky thomas yes sir he lives out towards land alabama and and <clears throat> i don't know a lot about english dogs so he's rattling off a bunch of names but I might as well make it speak spanish to me but it wasn't like this was a litter that mr thomas had found this female with the pedigree he wanted, bought her from Washington State, and had her shipped to him. It was, you know, a litter he had planned. It wasn't, you know, just yeah, it wasn't a, it wasn't a it mistake. Wasn't two old dogs. Well, yeah, it wasn't just two old dogs he had yeah. that he bred, accidental bred, nothing like that. I mean, it was a a planned breeding that Ricky, you know, had put a lot of time and effort into. I think that's. Uh... I think that even makes the story better. You know, it even shows more character. A man works his whole life and plans these these breedings for a specific purpose and goes through the pain and and yet I mean it, it goes right back to, you know, the the parable of of um, you know, bringing the best. You don't you don't give away the hand-me-downs or the he didn't want him to have just any old dog he wanted to have him one of his his most prized possessions yes sir yes sir and this pup was this pup's how old uh it was five and a half months so five and a half months old and and that was kind of my decision you know on the, i wanted to Seth? i'm sorry i had a phone call, had a phone call come in we back yeah we're back we're back yeah. I, you know, that was kind of my decision. I, I wanted to get him a puppy that, you know, was on the verge of getting ready to start, you know, um, versus, you know, a six-week-old pup that, you know, was maturing and getting ready to start in the dead of summer. You know, we right, got, right. it's nasty thick. A, a nine-year-old doesn't need to be running around what we hunt in the middle of summer anyways. You know? I bet you Blake could be right. I bet he'll be out there anyway. So oh, you better believe it, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> you're not going to, it doesn't sound like you're going to keep Blake at home. No, uh, I don't think so. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm just thinking about a man that raises a pup to five and a half, six months old. Yeah, he was gonna sell it and stuff like that, but I'm sure it wasn't wasn't cheap, you know. By the time you get to that age, if you haven't if you if you've seen any promise in the dog at all, if you're a responsible breeder, you're gonna sell it, then that pup has got some potential to be something. And and for him to to take something that he's got that much time invested in and then call the man and say, Hey, I got this situation. Can we adjust this deal? And the other gentleman say that that kid needs that pup worse than I do. There's so many layers here to the story that show great character and principle and, and just, ah, it's, it's an amazing story. It is. It is. And, and, you know, my best friends to this day are guys that were when I first when I had when I owned my first dog, you know, they were they were guys that were five and ten years older than me. Yeah. When I was sixteen years old, I couldn't afford a place. I couldn't afford a lease to hunt. I, I didn't I didn't know the management area is good enough, you know. I'm I mean, I there's so many people that, that helped me at the, at sixteen, you know, by letting me hunt their leases, letting me hunt their dogs, you know. Bubba Sullivan, Jeff Hatch, 
Kevin Flowers, Jason Bergeron, people that I have made lifelong friends with through through these dogs. And that just that is, that speaks to the character of Houndsman. You know, they as a whole, people they're they're good people. You right. know, and 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 that's why, you know, I just I remember me reading the I've read two books in my life front to back. I've read I've read a book two times in my life front to back, and that was Red Fern Grove twice. I've never read another <laughs> book in my life, and I remember you know just twelve year old me just dreaming of you know chasing a dog through the woods in the middle of the night, you know, and and um, once I was able able to get a dog and take myself, you know, so many people stepped up and helped me that it's the least we can do to help help other kids get involved in the sport, right. you know. What did you learn about Blake's backstory? It's, does he have family that hunted or, or was he like us? Cause my story is the same. You know, I was in I was just, I was enamored by hounds and the stories and, and where the red fern grows and, you know, all of that sort of stuff. What's Blake's story. What'd you learn about that? So after talking to his dad last night, um, like I said, we took, we went hunting last night for the first time, but, um, his dad's a big time deer hunter. Um yeah. serious about some deer hunting. Um and turkey hunting. Um when Blake's dad was a kid, there was a guy in West Point, Alabama, dog trader. And Blake worked Blake's dad worked for him as a kid, trapping coons, giving him coons, cleaning out his pen. Um and and Blake's dad said we would go coon hunting, but we wouldn't go coon hunting. He said that old man would take 10 or 11 dogs, cut them out, listen to them run and get treed, throw a jacket out, come back and get them in the morning, you know? Mm -hmm. So Blake's, Blake had heard his dad talking about, you know, listening to a coon hound. Yeah. Um, and Blake's dad's got a couple dogs he's trained in the past to blood track. So that, you know, that, that also right. made me feel comfortable. You know, he was familiar with dogs and training. So, so of the course of talking to Blake, I found out that Blake just got, got on YouTube videos on his tablet <laughs> or whatever of coon hunting because of his dad. And he wanted to get a dog for him and his dad to hunt together. Yeah. And, and that's where Blake's fascination came from hearing his dad just talk about as a kid working for this dog trader, cleaning pens and catching raccoons. That doesn't sound like a very good story to get your kid involved. I used to scoop up dog crap and, <laughs> and, uh, wrestle coons for an old man. Yeah. And I think you ought to start coon hunting, son. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess he did. So I, I, if he already knows all the bad stuff about it, I guess it's only up from here. Right. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, what's the future look like for Blake? Are you guys, have you guys got a plan to mentor this young man and, and, uh, you know, you talked about you not knowing management areas, you not having money for the hunting leases. And so what's the, the future look like for Blake? So, um, we've got, there's several people, um, I just in my friend group that, that reached out to me, you know, uh, Brandon Scott, he, he hunts pretty hard. He's got a nine year, a 10 year old boy. So oh. Brandon, so Brandon's reached out to me and I'm going to send him to Blake and Brandon hunts pretty he hunts more than i do so i'm gonna introduce him to blake and let them you know start going with them um jeffrey mullins bubba sullivan um, i've got several people that will take him in the area 
Yeah. And they, they do have some family property that's pretty safe. Mm-hmm. And Blake does, Blake's family. And then they also have a little small deer lease. It's actually not two miles from my house, believe it or not. Yeah. So, you know, we'll be able, I'll be able to meet them over there pretty quick, even on nights, you know, and, and help him there. And, and I mean, there's a, there's a group of guys that around here that I do a little, they got bird dogs and I, I shoot quail with them. I go shoot the birds so they can work their dogs. And, and, uh, they called last night. They want, they want to take Blake on a, <laughs> on a quail hunt. So. Yeah. Great. So what, what have been the parents' reaction to this whole thing? You know, it's, it's not a normal thing in 2023, you know, stranger danger and all that other stuff that we're teaching kids these days. And, and here's a bunch of, here's a bunch of rough houndsmen that, that want to step in and, and help this kid and, and take him hunting. I mean, what, what kind of arrangement does that look like? How have mom and dad been receptive to this whole thing? Well, when they showed up to get the dog or, so when, to meet me, they didn't realize they were getting the dog. Um, the dad wasn't there. Okay. So, um, the, the mom told me, she said, yeah, I brought my nephew just to, just my nephew to help out. Cause I guess, I kind of guess insinuated that there might be a dog, but you know, and, uh, and I, I thought to myself, I said, man, this guy's dad might not like this too much, you know, yeah. like, yeah. why is he not, you know? And, and I was a little nervous. Maybe he wasn't. Maybe he didn't want the kid to have a dog. Maybe, sure. you know, he might, he might, you know, he might wanted to go do what he had to do to get the dog. So I, that, that made me a little nervous up front. And, um, I found out later is obviously because he, this is something Blake wanted to do with it for, for his dad, with his dad. And so when they got home, they sent me a little video update me that Blake surprised his dad ah. with his surprise. So, so that took a lot of stress off me. I was like, man, this guy's probably gonna come out here and try to whoop me, you know? <laughs> but, uh, and I, I had talked to Blake's dad on the phone a couple of times up until last night. And even when he was coming to my house last night to meet me to go hunting, I, I still hadn't met him, you know, just short, quick phone conversations. And, um, man, he was a pleasure to be around. Just, you know, great outdoorsman. Um, he just, you know, good family man, takes care of his kids, you know, and, and yeah. it made me feel real good. And and for, the dad works nights, but he only works like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And then like, he's got four or five days off in a row and he's used to being up at night. Yeah. So it's going to be perfect for Blake and his dad to get to, you know, train this dog and, and, uh, bond together over it, you know? Man. I mean, can you imagine, uh, have you thought about, and considered the the value you've added to this family you know you've got a dad there that's you can't you can't lay this out any more perfect the dad that's got the history that, that started this passion in his son the son he's developed a good work ethic in his son to go out and try to raise the funds and then he's he's raised a good enough young man there to know the value of surprising his dad mom's bought into it i mean this is a this is a story for a book this is billy coleman all over again from where the red fern grows absolutely absolutely i mean you guys are providing an opportunity for for hours and years of shared experience between in an age where where we are 
a lot of parents are so disconnected from their kids and trying to find that common ground to relate to them. You all have helped accomplish that. All of you together. Yes, sir. It's, it's, it's a pretty neat, it's a pretty neat situation and I'm just blessed to be a part of it. You know, uh, I, I think, I think as you know, Blake's parents get to know us and, and, uh, I think, I think me and Blake's going to spend a lot of time together in the future. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Some of the most respected people, good friends that I have, you know, they tell stories of, of people that, that saw their interest and their passion and, and took it, took time away from themselves, you know, to, to make sure that the kid was involved and it was just something small, but it, those kind of things stick with, with people for the rest of their lives. And, and, um, I think that's what you guys have, you know, all of you collectively have done down there. And it's just something that can you imagine what would happen if, if, Every houndsman, when they leave the house, they look for opportunities like this. I mean, we wouldn't have anything to worry about in society. <laughs> we wouldn't have to worry about people that come and take our, you know, trying to to paint us as as bad people and things like that. And th this isn't the only story. I mean, you, we don't do a good enough job of telling these types of stories about coon hunters going to children's hospitals and reading books to kids and 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 raising money for for kids and helping veterans and all this sort of stuff. And that's why when I saw this story, I was like, man, we got to tell this one. Uh, you know, absolutely. And, and when I made that Facebook post, you know, this, I made the post, not, it wasn't, and I tried to write it where it's not about me, you know, it was, I made right. the post about my friends and what they did just at my simple request for that kid, you know, and, and Joey and Jeffrey and Mr. Ricky, you know, that Caleb, you know, they went above and beyond to help this kid. And, and that, that's why I chose to, you know, write the story. People need to know. Hopefully they see what Jeff and Mr. Ricky and them and Kayla and Joey are doing and it'll rub off and it'll get the next kid involved. Yes. Yes. Show, show I mean, them what a good job looks like. If you want to, if you want people to be successful, if you want to be good at something, show them what a good job looks like. And then they're inspired to go out and, and duplicate that. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I've got, I've got messages in my inbox, people, Hey man, I start pups, you know, when that dog gets a little bit older, free month on me, I do feel like it started kind of a chain reaction. Um, but the, the important thing to me is I'm 35 years old. I'm, I'm just a dumb roofer at this point, you know, <laughs> the, the kid, those future generations, we got to get these kids involved because let's take Blake, for example, Blake may grow up and become a politician, but Blake may grow up and become a lawyer or, or, you know, somebody with the knowledge and, and the passion for our sport to help save hunting with hounds. You know, yeah, I grew up deer hunting with dogs. There's only about two counties left in the state. You can do it now. Yeah. You know, my time to, my time to go fight legislation. I don't, I don't have the knowledge, but we got to get these kids involved in the, to, to carry the, carry the sport on. So when they grow up and become the doctors, the lawyers, influential people, they can, they can fight for the right to, to turn these dogs loose. You know, we just interviewed a guy by the name of Austin Tomlin that wrote a book 
he's a he's a young man wrote a book called um deer hunting with hounds of southern tradition and austin is actually in law school right now and i told him the same thing you know he grew up in this culture and now he's he's going to be an attorney he is going to be such a valuable asset to houndsmen to have that kind of influence and knowledge and training and all of that to be able to 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 share his passion with his not only his colleagues but also you know on a, on the bigger stage there just aren't a lot of us that have been blessed with those skills and the desire to follow through on that sort of stuff and you're exactly right we don't know what the future for Blake holds and and we just can't pass up opportunities at this point absolutely correct so what would have happened let's talk to the young people that listen to this podcast a little bit there's obviously something there that you saw in Blake's character that made you want to help him. And we've both been around youth events and different things long enough. And we see the kids that, that really don't want to be there or, or, um, they just got drugged there or something like that. But what was it about Blake's character? There was something there that you like this is the kid that we've been waiting on to help because i know you've seen other kids that you probably could have got a dog to or you could have gone out and and searched one out or or something like that but there's something about blake that made you think this is the one um I, it, it first did something to me when i just read the post you know yeah. that he he's got a he's got a sign I guess the first thing that got me was that sign said blue tick. Um, my, bu <laughs> my, my buddies give me, you know, they give me hell about these blue dogs, you know, and uh, there's some movie my, my wife watches, and I don't know, uh, watch. It's something that says you, uh, it says there's a line in the movie that says you finally made fetch happen. I don't even know what that means. Do you, mind, you finally made what? Say that again made fetch happen it's just some amount something from a movie i don't know yeah and uh my buddies give me hell about these blue ticks all the time and uh when i got into the semifinals at the michael moody hunt my wife sent me a text that said you finally made blue ticks happen yeah and then talking about that movie finally made whatever happened in that movie and i thought damn my buddies my wife everybody told me about these dang blue ticks you know yeah and uh so i guess when i saw that sign a boy looking for a blue tick you know that was my first dog and i was that was the first thing that turned me on to like hey let's go let's go find this kid well and then I, I can tell you that friends don't let friends hunt walkers i'll just say that right now well, I, guess I, I guess i ain't got no friends then <laughs> but uh so you know that that spoke to me and then when that when the neighbor the girl i knew kind of i just used her to vet him you know when she told me he was over there looking asking for stuff he could sell in the yard sale or work to do to buy buy a dog i, I knew i had to do something because that's the kid that's going to appreciate it and yeah. has the work work ethic to see it through you know to see that puppy through you know that's one of the things that um i've talked about numerous times uh on the podcast I would like to see youth events 
we're doing it. We're doing a great job of, of bringing these prizes and different things together to show these kids, you know, you can have a lot of fun doing this, but I think the place that, that we, I would like to see us head with these, these youth events is having youth advisory boards, um, you know, having a committee to help set the thing up. Cause what we're doing then is we're having those kids invest their time into that and, and make a sacrifice and put in the work to host their own event, you know, and, and it's like 4-H in the, the youth advisory board, the kids feel invested in the program. It's their program. We put the work in, we're here setting up tables and, and things like that. And, and a lot of times we miss that in this day and age. And, uh, you know, we see videos of, of dads taking their five-year-old out sitting in a blind with a gun set up on a tripod over all the work that he's done and, and all this stuff. And, and we don't see the follow through. We don't see the sustainability into the future, but I think when we let these kids get involved and, and have a part in running their own show, then now it's like, we can't let this fail. We've worked on this for years. I would, I would like to, I, I'm, I'm making an appeal out there to jump on board with this thing. Let's, let's start setting up. And Blake sounds like a perfect candidate. That's going to be there. He's not going to let you put on an event for him. He's going to come and he's going to put it, roll up his sleeves and he's going to set up tables and clean up trash and, and learn it. And he's going to be our next, next generation of leaders in our hound community. Absolutely. I, and I think, I think as a whole, the whole, I know PKC is trying now, you know, trying to get the youth stuff going back on. Um, yeah, they're doing a good job. You're doing a very good job. Um, I, I would, you know, we, the Alabama State Cunners Association, we hosted the AKC Southern Heritage this past year. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I tried to get, I tried to get a Friday night. Instead of doing a two night hunt, I tried to get a Friday night, um, ladies and, and kids hunt only i try to get them to do that not mm -hmm. necessarily akc our board everybody involved you know and, and we couldn't get those ducks in a row I, I would like to see more you know standalone youth events because when you're hunting you know you got a youth event going on simultaneously you know and and this dad's handling for somebody or or spent his whole life waiting for this pkc world hunt and he's got a good shot to win it you know a lot, I don't think I think a lot of people don't want their dog to go get out, get worn out hunting Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday night with a kid that's going to make bad calls and cost a cat. What, whatever it may be, if we could get these youth events at different times and and away from away from the bigger, you know, the other events where where people would put the dogs in the kids' hands and and. Um, and I, I really think that would help grow the whole youth aspect of competition hunting, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, I think one of the things I've been doing this long enough that when I was a kid, you'd go to the club and, and there'd be, you know, 40 or 50 entries at a, just a local club hunt. And, um, we've watched that die off over the years and, and the people that put these events together we've got to figure out how to find those people that value the importance of that for the future. 
Right. And and kids need to know how much work goes into it of finding prizes. Who do they talk to about prizes? How does how does the paperwork go at the end? Because what what we're finding even here locally is strong clubs have died on the vine because the old timers got old and they aren't doing it anymore. So when they're not doing it, nobody's doing it. And then you can't host youth, youth events or any place to take a kid. And, and in our culture, it seems like, you know, you got the soccer leagues and you got the little league and you got the parents out there doing all the work and, and setting up the, the fields and donating their money and doing the bake sales and all this stuff. And, and the, we're, we're, we're devaluing the, the opportunity there for our kids to be involved and learn a lot of these good character traits that it's going to take to sustain us into the future. That, that's a very, that's a very good point. Yeah. Cause if they oh, don't man. know, if we don't take them and show them, it's like, you know, this isn't just about you showing up and putting your dog in the hunt and walking away with the prize. There was, there've been months of planning involved in this thing. We had to get this, this, and this, and, and, somehow we need to figure out how to, to keep that going. Cause without the worker bees, you know, we're not going to keep it rolling. You're right. You're right. And, and, I, and I, I'm guilty of it. You know, you know, we all are. Yeah. It's and, easier. It's Absolutely. Absolutely. It's easier for me to, you know, my daughter's pretty good, you know, about planting green fields, whatever doing. She wants to help my oldest, but it's easier for me sometimes when she's not there to run down there on the tractor and, and, and tune it up real quick and then that's right have to answer, have to answer a million questions why i made it to dirt without exactly you know? <laughs> i've been so, there man i've yeah. been there you know my son used to hate working with me and i really felt guilty uh for a long time you know i would get frustrated it'd be like how do you not know how to do this you've been doing it with me forever but i would just jump in and and do the job for him instead of you know showing him how to do the job and the last few years I've, I've seen the error of my ways. Um, but we just, it's, it's easier for us just to get in and do it. We don't have time to, you know, all of us are busy. We're all trying to hunt dogs. We're all trying to work a job. We're all doing this stuff. So it's easier just on the way to work to call Joey and say, Hey, you got a Garmin for the local youth hunt this weekend. And, and we, the kids never know where that really came from and what it took to get it there. That's true. That's so anyway, true. let's this that's enough of that. I mean, we can we can solve all the world's problems here, but I think you've done done hound hunting and made a huge impact on this young man's life, Seth. And I I just wanted to celebrate that and um you know, give you an opportunity to tell your story and and kind of tell us how this all came about. There's other kids out there that that are doing the same thing that and all we really got to do is be aware and look for the opportunity. And I want to challenge everybody listening, to, you know, to find a kid in the next two weeks at, and and from your church, the ball team, whatever, pick him up and take him with you. I'm want, you know? I want to I want to ask you a question. You said yes, you sir. made it semifinals of the Michael Moody hunt. That's a that's a big hunt. Yes, sir. And you did it with a blue tick, so it was kind of it was even it was I, even a bigger I, deal. I did it with a blue tick and a handler that. And a horrible handler too. <laughs> All right, so you remember that's that's pretty fresh. That that hunt was just a few months ago. Yes, sir. And and that was probably a big deal to you, wasn't it? Absolutely. How would you compare it 
to the experience of setting this setting Blake up the way you, the and and all the people coming together. How would you compare the semifinals of Michael Moody Hunt to what you've done here? Well, let's say let's just say getting getting to the semifinals. It all fell apart in the semifinals. <laughs> but um, I tell you, when we pulled her off that last tree. Uh, Brandon Castman was judging, and I uh, can't remember. I didn't. I didn't know him before. I think I might have gave him a hug. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I said, uh, "I'm not gonna cry." I mean, that was just getting. That was just getting a cast win up there. You know, to me, that was okay. a lot. Um, right. I, I had been away working, um, and before that, I was on the road working. I was, you know, facetiming my kids, and and I'm very fortunate. I work two or three months, and then I'm home rest of the year you know working locally um so so that came at a um not not say a bad time just a hard time in my life you know and and i got i got selected for that entry and my man really stepped up and got my dog and started getting in shape for me you know and and yeah. i came home and put the finishing touches on her before we went so so that was that was really a like a big deal for me just because being away and everything just being away from my kids and my friends stepping up. And, uh, but when I hugged Brandon, I said, uh, man, I think I might cry or whatever I said. I don't really, it was kind of, <laughs> but I was pretty shook up and I called my truck, man. And I said, we did it, buddy. But, but I had it together. Yeah. When Blake tried to pull out that hundred dollars the other day and hand it to everybody there, that was it, man. I lost it. You know, I told my wife, got to get in the car. We got to go right now, you know? <laughs> so I didn't want that boy to see me get get all upset like that, you know. And so I'd say, uh, as far as coon hunting, being able to have a small part in Blake's story was probably uh, it's probably at the top. That's amazing. So, That's amazing. Uh, I think I think so many times, you know, we we see opportunities like this, or and we we don't we see them, but we don't comprehend the impact that we could have because we're worried about now I'm not going to take the kid down the road because I'm trying to get this dog ready for a hunt or, or nah, you know, we're going, I've done it with my kids before, you know, my daughter used to, she'd try to get in the truck every night to go hunting. And I would say, no, you, you're not going tonight. You got school tomorrow. And, and she wouldn't listen. She'd be sitting in the right. truck and, and do it in a way that I couldn't say no, you know, I, but, uh, I'd go out to load the dogs and come around and get in the truck and she'd be sitting there in the passenger seat. And I'd look at her and say, I thought I told you you weren't going. She goes, well, someday I won't want to. So you better go with me. You better take me now, you know? <laughs> yep. And she just and, manipulate and the heck out of me. But it's, it's a lot of times it just goes like setting up the event. Sometimes it's, we just pass it up because we think it's easier and we miss the real prize. We miss the real Absolutely. prize. Like, like you got to witness that's 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 a good message right there absolutely and you know it's like last night uh jeff texted me said hey jeff's got a daughter a couple years older than my daughter and they become bestest pals and jeff texted me yesterday he said are you gonna bring gentry which is my daughter's name and i said no i want tonight to be all out blake yeah gentry went <laughs> jeff's daughter <laughs> went you know yeah and back like when i if i'm getting ready for a hunt you know i'll take my daughter I'll go take my, I got a little place about 15 minutes from my house. I'll hunt, you know, I'll take my daughter and I'll, 
she'll fall asleep and I'll load her up and I'll carry her into the house. My wife will, will get her, put her in bed, and then I'll slip back off and make another drop or two, you know? That's right. My, I can't, I can't leave her behind, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. A friend of mine just dropped, uh, it, this, this podcast was impactful for me and I don't normally do this, you know, talk about, talk about these kind of things on my podcast. Clay Newcomb definitely doesn't need any help from me, but, um, you know, they told the story of a friend of mine's grandfather. And one of the things that I said to, to Tracy Jones was, I hope people, I hope my grandchildren will speak that honorably of me when I'm gone. And very true. When, when you think about the dogs are going to come and go and, and I've sacrificed a lot of time with my family over the years, uh, for the sake of chasing dogs and, um, in the big scheme of things, it's, it's the personal investments I make in my family and the people around me are way more important than and more gratifying than anything I could ever get out of a dog. That's just me. I know that's other right. people aren't going to feel that way, but that's how I feel about it. Yep. And you know, we're, we're all, there was a time in my life, you know, when, when I, I took advantage of, you know, my wife watching the kids and me and me leaving them behind, you know, it took me maturing and growing up a little bit to realize what was important, you know, yeah. Me and my wife, we we have several businesses. We're self-employed, and and we've had several talks, you know, about what we what we want to do next, what we're going to do, et cetera. But at the end of the day, the conversation ends with we just want our kids to be proud of us, you know. And and yeah. to me, that's the that's the most important thing: taking care of your family. And like you said, the dog's going to come and go. Sometimes I, man, I, this dog's three. You know, I I, I want to get her on the all-time winning blue tick list before she's you know before she turns right. five. Right. And, but as good as she is at times, you know, there'll always be another one when they're, when they're 20, I can go find another one, you know? Yeah. And, and when they're grown out of my house, I can, I can chase them a little bit more, you know? Yep. Yep. Agreed. Well, Seth, man, it's an amazing story. I really appreciate you taking time. Um, any closing thoughts, anything you want to add, anything we missed? Uh, no, I appreciate you having me and let me tell Blake's story and my friend's story. Um, I just, I said it earlier, I just want to challenge everybody. Find you a local kid and it's good, cool. I don't know, it's probably cold up there, but good, cool weather down here. Find you a kid and take him hunting, man. It, it'll be one of the most rewarding things. If you've never done it, get you a kid, get you a light and take him hunting. So. For sure. For sure. You know, when you've been in it as long as I have, there's plenty of lights around here. There's plenty of, I can even hand them a Garmin handheld and let them be a part of the hunt. And, you know, I've got an extra one of those and, and I'm not going to probably let them keep it because <laughs> I need it, but, uh, yeah. it, you know, yeah. just, for, just to take a kid hunting, but there's different things that you can do to make them feel a part of the hunt where they're not just out there kicking rocks. You show them how to use that Garmin and they can be a part of it. And, and show them how to find a coon and, and, and there's just a lot of things we can do. And I appreciate you for, and I, I can, when I saw the post on social media, I looked through it and I thought, man, this guy's not bragging about himself. 
this guy's just telling a story of, of what we all need to be doing. And that's what drew me. If I thought you were bragging, then I'd have never contacted you to be on this podcast. So. Yes, sir. And, and I, I, hope, I hope people don't, I hope as a whole, people don't think that because the only reason the post was made was hopefully to, to have someone else, you know, do the same thing. And I just wanted to brag on my friends because they're some of the best people in the world. So. Man, you can't ask for any more praise than that, you know, get that, that right, approval from your friends and, um, yeah, congratulations to you, Seth. You set the, you set the hound world on fire with this one and, and, uh, showed us all what's right in front of us that we passed by so many times. And, and, uh, thank you very much for, for sharing that story with us. It's important. Thank you for having me on, sir. All right. Well, guys, that's going to. That's going to wrap it up for this episode of the Houndsman XP podcast. Um, uh, what can you say? You know, I've been guilty of this so many times of passing up these opportunities. And when you see a story like this and it really challenges you to, to look for it and, and really be the stewards of our future. So make sure you're paying attention out there, folks. There's a lot of people out there that we can share this great lifestyle that we love and, and don't pass up that opportunity. So until next time, thanks for listening to the Houndsman XP podcast. This is Barry Chase.